G'day, it's George Free. Welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Today, I have a repeat guest with me, Lindsay Guy from Guy's Karate School. Now, if you recall, episode 117, I had Lindsay Guy on, and we spoke about how he had 3X'd his martial arts business, moving past the big C. We'll call it the big C, the YouTube and the social media channels don't like us talking about what it really is, although we probably mentioned it in the episode. Anyway, so... I wanted to do catch up with Lindsay just to see how things are going right now. We spoke about how he 3 x his business. I wanted to see where he's at now, how are things going, how's he handled the growth. Uh, we talk a bit about retention, a little bit about marketing, and just great martial arts conversation. Now, I must warn you, <laughs> Lindsay is super authentic, and as he says, he's got no switch, and he speaks very straightforward. And we have this sense of humor where we kind of look for little gaps and opportunities to yeah have a go and have a bit of fun and fun with each other so that might come out in some of the comments from me and from him don't take it to heart it's probably easier if you watch the episode because your Lindsay's face explains his sense of humor but yeah uh, one of my favorite humans to speak to when it comes to a sense of humor and having fun so a lot of fun in this episode and a lot of value so jump in episode 139. So head over to the website martialartsmedia.com forward slash 139. You can download the transcript and all the resources mentioned in this episode. And do me a favor, if you get some good value out of this episode, please share it with someone you love, someone you care about, martial arts instructor, martial arts school owner. I'm sure they'll get as much value from it as you will. All right, let's jump in. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. Lindsay Guy, welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Actually, welcome back to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me on again. Awesome. So last time we spoke, episode 117. We spoke about how you 3 x your your martial arts business coming out of the big C. We'll just call it the big C. You know what we're talking about. That way YouTube still likes us. And we're just chatting about the journey, a bit about working together in partners, but just how you've progressed and where you're at. And I thought I'd have you back on. Being the probably the funniest guy in the karate business is, you know, is it's always good to have you on. It makes me a bit nervous when I have you on because I know in conversations with you, I don't know what I'm going to get, which is the fun part, so this is good. So yeah, I thought I'd have you back on and, and see where the journey is at. Excellent. Where would you like to start? How's business going? We last time we spoke, so um, you know we were coming out of the rough patch. You got business booming and things are going well. How's the journey evolved from when we last spoke? Our business has been continually evolving. 
it's been changing. We've, we've made a lot of changes because what happens is when you get rapid growth in a business, you start to realise then all the things that you either don't have in place or you should have in place. You start to work out uh, some new things that you can add. One of the biggest problems that when you have rapid growth then is retention. So it's trying to keep all of those people, put systems in place which is going to allow those people to stay. And over that time since we last spoke, which has been nearly uh, probably nearly two years, we have been continually uh, changing our systems to maintain that retention and maintain the growth. It's no good having a, uh, you know, like a, a system like a, a mouse on a wheel that's continually putting people in and continually losing people at the other end. Your business just doesn't grow that way. And I'm sure there's many businesses out there, many martial arts schools that do just that. However, we've had to sit down and work out why we lose people and what we can do to prevent that from happening. And that's why our systems have come into place now on changing that so people feel quite comfortable, quite happy to come. I think once you stop exciting people to come to karate or to come to any martial arts, that's when they start to drop out. So we've got to maintain that excitement with our students. We've got to maintain the enthusiasm for them to to want to come. All right. So I would love to dive deeper into that because if I always look at the first problem, and I guess the first time I typically work with anyone or somebody reaches out to me, it's, hey, we need more students. <laughs> it's, always the, it's always the first thing. There's always layers to that because it's, there's always way more to this that. There's the pricing, the offers, and that's the one thing to fix. Now, you fix that problem, right? I mean, you don't have so much a marketing problem anymore? We don't have a marketing problem at all. Every single time that we put a marketing campaign out, we get students. It's just, it's easy when we just go, look, okay, we need 10 more students. Let's put a marketing campaign out and get 10 more students. Marketing and attracting students now is never a worry on my mind. I, I just don't have that worry any longer. Where a lot of martial arts people that I speak to say, I just can't get students. Well, what are you doing? And most times I'll tell you, well, we're not really doing anything. Or, yeah, we do ads. Do you really? Great. But, of course, it's the content with the ad, not the ad. And you've got to get the right content. And how have we got the right content? Well, we've got the right content through a lot of ways. One was a lot of trial and error. But secondly is, is speaking to other people who have actually got the right formula and just copying it. There's no point having a formula that works and then me saying, well, I don't think it will work for me in my town. So I just do exactly what all the other guys are doing that are attracting students. Guess what? It's like a miracle. It works. All right, cool. So we've spent a lot of time on this, on the formula, the framework, how to structure ads and, and make sure that works. So I think what's important more to look at is this next step and, and chat a bit about what you've done to help mitigate the and, and fix the retention side. That is a really hard question to answer because there, there is a multitude of things that we've had to do to keep students here. One thing that I'm always telling my junior instructors is that one thing that will keep people into your centre, firstly, is for them to be, uh, I don't know, the correct, uh, this is probably not the correct word, but I'm going to use it anyway, entertained. We have to entertain our students. Now, 
you're going to get a lot of traditionalists out there going, oh, no, you never do that. You know, that's just breaking complete tradition. Now, I spent the weekend with a bunch of traditionalists and, I, you know, they've got 20 and 30 students in their dojos. It's because kids don't have that type of commitment anymore. They don't have that type of patience to go through traditional karate. I don't know whether they ever did. Because I remember when I was training, we never had a great deal of children. They'd drop out as quick as they'd start, simply because the boredom would set in on backwards and forwards across a hall for, you know, an hour and a half doing, doing basics. So today we, we sort of like to take a Wiggles approach. The Wiggles, you take their songs, for instance, you know, they're never going to be top 40. But what keeps people buying Wiggles music, what keeps people going to Wiggles concerts is the entertaining side of it, you know. So you've got that side where people are, you know, the children are entertained. They want to keep coming back because they like the environment that we produce for them. Do we clown around? No. We, we, teach, we teach karate to these children. But do we tell them that they're doing fantastic? Do we have a bit of a wiggle on us like, man, that's fantastic? Yes, we do. And I'm now teaching all of my students that exact same thing. Right, so let's pass this on to our other students. So if we can get students inside the, the dojo making other students feel like they want to come back because they're creating friendships, they're having fun, you know, with each other in the dojo, they will continue to come back to my centre. Now, why do we need them to come back? One, the better the retention, the less expense there is, the more money we make. Because we're not spending a lot of money then on advertising because we've got pretty good retention. So we can reduce our, our spending on our advertising. And then secondly, people that are stopping, then the longer they stop, the more friends they refer us to. And of course our business grows then. So it just makes good sense. Now, depends what you want to do. If you want to teach pure traditional karate and you want to have 10 or 15 students in your hall or your centre, that's absolutely great because I love traditional karate. I'm a real traditionalist in heart. But what I want to do is that I want to treat it as a business. I want to make money out of this. I want to be able to support myself and my family doing what I love doing, which is teaching karate. Now, if I have to kick off some of those old beliefs to be able to do that, I'm quite happy to uh, kick off some of those old beliefs and keep people inside my centre and that's what we do every day. We come and teach karate and we love it. It's a dream. Imagine getting to the stage of going, I've been doing karate for 40 years. I absolutely love karate. Now I get to do it every day and someone's paying me to do it. I used to pay to do it once. Now someone's paying me to do it. It's fabulous. That's so good. Especially in you talking about being a purist at heart. I think part of adapting is just, you talk about the entertainment side. There's no reason why it can't be both. In, in fact, it's, it's probably evolving the teaching to teach it in a way that kids and younger people are, are learning. And if they are entertained, but they are learning the skills while they are getting entertained, that's a good thing. I'll tell you a relevant story. I took my daughter to a, a music class. Now, I remember when I was a kid, I think my mum was cruel in a way. She forced me to play the recorder. I said, mum, this is really not cool. <laughs> um, three years in, I was 
forced to play guitar. Then I played the keyboard and then I ended up playing drums. It was a, a really horrific experience. And anyway, so I enrolled my daughter into what I thought was a drumming class. But I arrived there and it was actually a piano class. I thought, okay, well, well let's see where this goes. And uh, um, my wife did the enrollment, not, not me. Anyway, I was like, are we going to play drums? And so I walked in and I, I just saw pianos all around. And I was like, I asked the teacher, where's the drums? Are they going to play? Are we going to play drums? He said, maybe. But this teacher wowed me in a way that I haven't been wowed in a long time because his teaching methodology was just magnificent. Obviously, my daughter was a bit nervous. She's four years old. But he sits her down and he starts, he starts dancing. So like just to a rhythm. And so he starts dancing. And then he brings out all these characters. And then he's got this frog and that frog. And they gamified the entire experience for the child. And so she she started out of 10 minutes shy, anxious, and 15 minutes in, she was all over it and completely wowed by the experience. And and for me, it was just looking at, wow, okay, th things have come a long way and, and people are realizing how just being entertaining, I, I mean, I could see what he was teaching her. For her, it was just fun and games. But it's education disguised as entertainment. I think, you know, within the martial arts space, you can take a lot from that. You can be the purest and teach all the right things and just make sure kids are entertained. Yeah. See, I need to teach martial arts and I, I like to have a good standard. I'm a bit like a tradesman looking at his work. I want to be able to come away saying I've done a fantastic job there with that particular task that I did. Now, if I can look at my karate students and go, wow, they're really, really coming on with their standard, it's exactly the same as that tradesman looking at the finished job. The only way that I can produce that standard is to keep them here long enough. Now, if every two weeks I'm turning over my school base, there's no way that I'm ever going to produce a standard. So for me to produce a standard, I've got to keep the kids. To keep the kids, I've got to get away from some of those old-fashioned ideas about what should be happening inside a traditional class. So tradition, where is that starting? Well, I might be starting my own tradition. But I know now a formula which is helping us keep students, which is helping our students grow. And I can look at my students and now say, I'm very, very happy with the standard that we're producing. At the end of it all, that's all that really matters. You know, it's, it's producing great students that you can feel proud to say that those guys come from our centre. And I'm making sure that all of my instructors, whether they be our junior instructors, because we have a great junior instructors and great leadership program now, and I'm always on to those guys. And people work really well with praise, so I'm always telling them, make sure you're high-fiving the, the guys, make sure that your knuckles, make sure that every kid on that floor on that day knows they've, gonna, they've done a great job. How? Tell them that you're doing a great job. That is fantastic. What a great effort. And at the end of the class, just go, you guys need to congratulate yourself because not only was your standard great, your behaviour was fantastic today. You know, give yourself a hand. And sometimes I even say to the parents, what do you think, parents? You think the kids have all been good today, well behaved, and the parents go, yeah. And, of course, acknowledgement from a parent to a kid is huge as well for a parent to say, we think you've done really well today, mate. 
because there's so many kids out there today don't get praise. It's, it's important that children receive praise. A lot of times the only time they ever get spoken to is when they're doing something wrong. We need to change that. We need to tell children that they're special. We need to tell kids how good they are. We need to tell the kids that they're appreciated and then you're going to be okay. And that's what we're trying to produce here, that atmosphere of you're going to be okay, you're doing well, keep going. Because I say to people, people say about the black belt, and I say, you know what the difference between a black belt and a white belt is? And they go, oh, you've trained really hard. Yeah, that's one thing, but that's not really it. What it is is that the black belt person's just stopped longer than the white belt person. They've just attended more lessons. And that's really all it is. There's nothing else to it. They've just attended more lessons. And we know if you attend more lessons, you get better. And when you get better, then eventually you achieve a black belt. So that's the type of thing we try to produce with our parents. We've even put in our new getting started brochures now the excuses that parents are actually going to get from their kids and why the kids are going to tell them they don't want to come anymore. So we pre-warn them. We say to them, you know, we've got a, we've got a, welcome, a welcome brochure and we've got a whole page in there dedicated to why kids quit karate. Sometimes kids don't quit karate. Sometimes it's parents that quit karate. Sometimes they quit bringing them. And there's a lot of reasons why that, why that happens. Sometimes they just get tired of bringing them. Or they start training jiu-jitsu. Well, yeah, look, I think there'd be more people go the other way, to be honest with you. But however... There was, uh, apologies, there was a bit of a private joke inserted into a serious matter. Apologies to all my <laughs> karate friends. I think to add flavor to what to, to where my comment just comes from, what is your take on jiu-jitsu, Lindsay? I don't mind jiu-jitsu. I don't mind it at all. It's, it, it's actually a very, very good sport. I, I have rheumatoid arthritis, so it's not good to have my joints manipulated and twisted too regularly. So that's, that's, that's why I don't like it because every time I, I've had a session and I come away with, um, you know, I go, oh, man, my wrist's sore, my arm's sore, my elbow's sore. I just don't want to do that. My, my, my young guys on the floor do it all the time. They have a, we've got a couple of jiu-jitsu guys here and they get on the floor and, you know, my son Lockie is 22 and 22 stone um, and he gets on the floor and has a wrestle with the boys and absolutely loves it. So it's great. 100%. As I said, it, it, it was a bit of a private joke, but Lindsay, Lindsay likes to give me hassles about cuddling and jiu-jitsu, and so I thought I'd just get the one up. And um, George, I, I, I would never say anything like that to you. George is just making all that up now. <laughs> Getting back to our conversation about parents, your parents need to know that their kids are going to come up with at some point in their karate training that they're going to come up and tell them that they don't want to come anymore. Not all kids. I have parents that come and say, they can't wait to come. You know, every day they're going, can we go to karate today? Is it karate today? Is it karate today? Um, simply because they just love coming. But we have those other kids that, you know, they're just half on, um, half off. And they, you know, they come up with all sorts of excuses. And we know what keeps them away. We know yeah, technology is in everybody's houses. You know, they've got computers, they've got tablets, they've got phones, they've got PlayStations. Now, if I was a kid and the parents said, yeah, I'm going to go to karate today and the kid's on his PlayStation in the middle of a game, it's pretty hard to drag him away from that sometimes. 
And then all of a sudden they go, no, I feel like going today. I'm a bit sick. Got a bit of a tummy ache. Got a bit of a headache. You know, there's something wrong with me. The reason why I don't want to go. There's about 101 reasons, I'd reckon, that kids will give you that they don't want to go. But it's they're like us. Once you get them here and you get them out on the floor, they have a ball. So parents, don't give up on your kids too easy. Because if we allow our our kids after the first or second time just to say, I don't want to do that anymore, you go, all right, mate, well, what do you want to do? I want to do this. Okay, we'll enrol you in that. I guarantee you it won't be long before they're giving you the same excuses for that. We have to show our children that if we if we commit to something, we've got to stay committed for a, a period of time. Because if we don't, what we're telling our children, it's okay to give up on anything whenever something gets too hard. All of a sudden, kids then go, oh, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. All right, yeah, just give up then, mate. Instead of saying the children are no persevering, some parents are like, I was hoping you were going to say that. I don't have to take you anymore. I don't have to spend the money. Not that I could yeah. afford it anyway. <laughs> Couldn't afford it before. <laughs> you can edit that bit out of the line, but I get that all the time. We, we edit nothing in this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's not one martial artist that would listen to this podcast that wouldn't tell you they all get the same excuses. Every one of us gets the same excuses from our students. But it's up to us to educate also not just the students but the parents. You're going to get it. I guarantee you, once you get it, still keep bringing them. Don't take their, you know, I don't want to go because I've got a headache today. Yeah, so, and, and so you bring up a good point, right, that most martial artists are going to know these are the excuses that are going to come up. It's going to come up because you get it all the time. So, so having that knowledge, it's probably worth having that conversation before it comes up. Absolutely. Because it's not if, it's when. It's going to happen. So knowing that, it's kind of like the, you know, if someone's really educated in sales, they know the objections that are going to come up. And so before while they're talking to you, they've already answered the objections that might come up and it just makes it easier for them to to do business in the end. So you're kind of in the same situation where having the conversation with parents early, it's not if they're going to quit, want to quit, it's when. And they're going to tell you they don't want to come. There's going to be something more important or they're going to feel like, you know, want to do the PlayStation, et cetera, because it's not easy. Mm. Good things in life aren't easy and you need some resilience to push through and get that get that done. Um, actually spoke on with Michael Scott about this yesterday as well, about about resilience. So I think it's just important to to know it's coming. We might as well work on how we're gonna remove that. Well, we like to point out the page in the in the welcome pack, which says why kids quit karate. And what you can do about it. That's the that's the title. So we like to point that out. We said, parents, you need to read that section. Have you got your welcome pack in front of you? I do. I just want to see what it. This is the latest version. We do have another version, but because our centre has changed and our business has changed, we've had to do some modifications to the brochure, add some things, take some things out. Um, you know, we've done some really great things in the centre. We've put a an our pro shop in. Now, we had T-shirts, we had hoodies, we had all of those types of things for sale, but we had them in plastic tubs in these cubes and we had one hanging up on a coat hanger and we're hardly selling any. 
And we went to, I don't know when that was, July? Up to, July. yeah, up to Ross Cameron's CrossFit, CrossFight, CrossFit, was it CrossFight? Fight, fight Cross for fight the Partners cross. Intensive. Fight Cross, you'll be very happy with me for remembering that. Um, <laughs> fight, fight, cross, fight Cross Studio. And he had all his, his pro shops set out. So when people walk through, all they, all they had to do was just, you know, look to their right and all of a sudden there's all the gear that they could, they could purchase. And I went, well, that looks fabulous. And I said to Ross, do you have it licensed? This look at him and I said, good luck because I'm going to steal it then. And we've put the same wood grain look up. We've got all our T-shirts, our hoodies, our shorts, our caps, our singlets, everything now hanging on coat hangers. So when people walk into the dojo, they walk straight past it. Every single day now I'm seeing empty coat hangers on the front bench from where people have purchased stuff. And I'm just now putting in more orders for more gear. We weren't selling hardly any. And as soon as I put it out there oh, on display, people are now starting to buy it. You wouldn't think that's rocket science, would you? They see it, they buy it. They see it, they buy it. And I think that Ross might have pointed out to me at the time, he said, when you go to places like a fun park, like a theme park, when you get off the ride, where's the first place they walk you through? It's the gift shop. To get off the ride and get it back out into the theme park, you go through the gift shop. There's all the gear. People are buying stuff. Why? Because the kids nag them. But I have parents going, oh, that looks really good. I'll get Johnny one of those. Well, don't wait. I might not be available next week. Grab one now while you're here. I love that. So we've been working together for, for, for quite some time, and there's been a significant shift in, well, in your business, but I think in your outlook of going about the business. And and if I recall now in episode 117 when we were talking, um, there was like a, a, a heavy low moment, and it was sort of in that midst of COVID. Yes. And then – you change things around. And I think that's, uh, you know, with that massive growth so fast, you'd had to look at the retention side because you'd had all these young new students coming through. How do you feel your thinking around the business has changed since prior that time with the big C and where you're, where you're at now and looking, looking forward? Where I was speaking to people at the weekend at a, at a seminar we we're at in Melbourne and they were telling me, oh, COVID absolutely killed us and we really haven't hit back since then. And when I asked some of those people, what did you do during COVID? And they said, oh, well, we did what everybody else did. We closed down. Okay. See, what we did here, and this wasn't my thinking because my thinking originally would have been to just close the business like everybody else did. But because I was involved in a, in a network of martial artists that twice a week we were speaking on, on Zoom meetings, I realised that I had to close the doors to the dojo but don't close the business. So during COVID, we went on a marketing frenzy where we were spending money that we weren't earning that we didn't have to get students through the door when we were to reopen. I was signing up people through packages. They were excellent deals. They were getting a uniform that they could wear at home if they wanted. We're down the shops. It doesn't matter where they were wearing it. But they couldn't wear it in my dojo because the government said you can't come in the door. So people then say to me, so when are you starting back then? 
And I go, I don't know. No idea. That's up to the government. I have absolutely no clue when they're going to allow me to reopen. But when we do, you've got a great deal to start back with. I once had someone say to me years ago, he had an agricultural business and he was doing extremely well. He was the busiest agricultural dealer in this town. And we're going through a bit of a recession. And I said to him, so how come you're so busy? Why are you surviving and some of the others are are starting to go downhill? And he said to me, this is where people make mistakes. In the hard times, the first thing they cut is their advertising budget. Cut your advertising budget, your sales go down. He said, different to me, in the hard times I increase my advertising budget. And I'll always remember that. I reckon that was 20 years ago. And I'll always remember that talk from John saying to me, in the hard times you increase your advertising budget, not decrease it. And that's what we did. And it wasn't simply because, you know, um, uh, all of those other, you know, things were, were going on. It was just simply the fact that I needed to assure I'd signed this lease, I had no money, I needed to assure that when the time came for us to reopen that we still had a business and it was going to be bigger than what it was before we stopped. So what we did was we kept in regular contact with our, you know, with our current uh, student base that we had at the time and we're signing new people. And that's what we do today. We're always coming up with some sort of special deal to get people to come to us. I find it really hard to believe today people that tell me, oh, we just can't get students. And it's generally because it's not that you can't get students, you're just not going about it the right way. Unless you live in a town of 20 people, I don't understand why you can't have in retrospect or, you know, in the ratio to your town a decent amount of students. I have people say, oh, you don't understand my area. Oh, don't I? (laughs) You've got a Woolworths there, yeah. The prices of groceries in your town the same as they are in mine, I guess. Yep. What's your fuel price? Two dollars thirty a litre. Yep. What's the price of a Toyota in your town? Wow, it's the same as what it is in my town. And all those businesses are still surviving. Why can't you change charge the same as everybody else is charging? I find it very dangerous when people talk collectively about an area or a town and make decisions for them. Um, because it normally comes from from within. And the minute you talk for the town, well, hang on, how many people are in this town? Did you talk to all of them? Do you understand their wants, their needs, their feelings? Yep. It's a lot of people to be making decisions for. It's hard. Um, you, you were saying, well, people struggling to get students. Well, if somebody says that, then my my question would be, well, when last did you make an offer? To get students, and and to whom was it? Oh, we posted on our Facebook wall. Well, right now you might as well put a fly on your windscreen outside. That's not enough. You do need to put your offers in front of enough people that enough people can see it. And even if you did that really poorly, I think if you just made an offer every day, you you would be getting students. But people can't sign up if there's no offer to sign up. Absolutely. You've got to give them something, a, a reason to click. You've got to give them a reason to click on that button. I love the ads where I see them and people go, 
phone now. I'll tell you, I'm sitting there at 11 o'clock at night going through Facebook. The last thing I'm going to be doing is picking up the phone and ringing some martial arts guy to start his classes. And you know what happens by tomorrow? That's all worn off. You've forgotten about the ad you read yesterday. You've moved on. You're now worrying about, you know, I've got to pick the kids up from school at 3 o'clock. You're no longer considering enrolling them in anything. But if you've got a button there that says, click here, send us a message right this minute, people do it. They just go, oh, I'll do it now. Click, not as well. I'm sitting here at 11 o'clock with nothing to do. And you can answer it tomorrow. So there are all sorts of reasons that we can use why our business doesn't grow. But you know, most times the reason it's not growing? I think sometimes you've got to sit back and look at what you are. A lot of people judge what other people can pay on their own financial situation. And that's very, very dangerous to do that. If you do that, you'll always be in the financial situation <laughs> that you've always been in. It's not going to change unless you change your, your thinking. I've always been a big thinker. I've always thought that at some point in time we can make it. You know, we're going to find something. And I searched for ages, and I think I might have said it on 177. That 117. That 117, whatever it was. 117, folks. If you're listening, go to 117. Um, you'll, you'll hear the first half of this. So if you get to the stage where you start to think that people are not going to come in your dojo, they're not going to come in your dojo. There's no way they're ever going to come in your dojo because that's your mindset. But if you have the mindset that you want to build a business, that you want to make your martial arts centre profitable, it mightn't be that you want to do it full-time. You might just want to be able to pay the rent on the building. You might just want to be able to have a few bucks at the end of the week to buy a carton of beer and go for a surf. Whatever that may be, you have to set the structure, you have to set you know, the, the wheels in motion to actually get that to happen in the first place. And the only way that will happen is get students. And the only way to get students is to get students. So if I was to say to you, George, I'll tell you what I'll do. Every student you bring in th through my door tomorrow for me, I'm going to give you three grand. How many students within the next week do you reckon that you'd be able to bring in for me? You'd just keep bringing them in every day because what would you do? You'd be walking down the mall saying, hey, look, have you ever thought of doing karate? You'd be standing outside of, um, uh, you know, popular kids' places with brochures, handing them out to parents, talking to them, hey, have you ever thought of having your kids do karate? 101 of sales. Get to the masses. Get to start talking to the people. And that's what we do. So if you want to get students, you'll get students. You'll work out a way to get students. And if you don't know how to get students, ask someone who's got students, how they got students. But I can tell you the key to that. If they've got a lot of students, do what they tell you. If they have five students, maybe consider their knowledge and the information not quite what you're looking for. If they've got 500 students, do exactly as they tell you to do. Because what will hold you back is your preconceived notions, is your thoughts about, you know, what people want or what the way you should be doing it. So all of these guys have, have in the past been in the same position that you're in right now. They've had their five students, their six students. We all had to start with no students. And we get devastated when students leave. 
I remember one point of time that 100% of my students left on the one night. Both of them walked out. <laughs> but you gotta, you've just got to start somewhere and the place to start is at the beginning and just talk to people who are doing what you want to be able to do. And, and if worse comes to worse, pay someone to help you do it because there's always that option too. There's a couple of people out there that do this martial arts, marketing, media stuff that will give you a bit of a hand and, you know, maybe you need to get on to one of those guys who is pretty good at this and just do what they say. I want to be able to leave a legacy for my children and we have spoken about that on a couple of times and a few of the other guys that we regularly communicate also have that same attitude that we, we want to leave legacies for our children. Some people want to have a business that they can sell at some point in time. I want to have a business that I can leave my oldest son, my youngest son, um, you know, he's not completely with it in life. He, he doesn't do karate. Um, <laughs> he, he's actually an accountant, so he does okay. Um, but, uh, but the eldest one, you know, I had to do something for him. He is a great manager and I am so fortunate and so lucky to have someone who's so forward thinking. Now, he's 23 years old. And he comes up with far better ideas than what I come up with. And I think that's because he is 23 years old. He comes up with, he knows what people of a, of a younger era and a younger age are looking for. He knows what their interests are. You know, I'm nearly 60 year old. I've lost a little contact with what 15, 16 and 17 year olds like. Lachlan runs our, our junior leader program and our young instructor program. And to be honest, he, he, was, he is absolutely brilliant at it. He, he relates well to the young guys. He's a likeable character. He's a lot of fun. Uh, he creates a lot of jokes, you know, much to my dismay. I'm trying to get him to be more serious, but for some reason it doesn't work. Um, but he just controls our leadership group. You know, people say, oh, it's all right for you. You've got, you've got help. Well, we've all got, if you've got 15, 16, you know, even 14-year-olds in your class, you've got help. You know, you've got that ability to take those young people and train them to be to be helpers, to be young leaders, because that's what we all need. We all need more instructors. We all need people that are going to be able to fill in for us, be able to take over from us when we get to the stage where we don't want to do it anymore. And where's the best place to get those people inside your dojo? So if you've got those young 13, 14, 15-year-olds and you're not actually letting them help, you're losing a valuable resource, you're just letting that valuable resource go. They're there for you to train and we've got them in our dojo now. We have red coats who are our junior leaders. They come out on the floor. They start about 12-year-old and they come out and they start helping our more junior classes. It's simply correcting them, getting them to show them a kick properly or how to do a, a lower block correctly. It might be just be simply turning the fist over to make sure that their punch is correct. We have then what we call our blue coats, who are our junior instructors, and they have junior instructor across their back. And once they reach junior instructor, they then have the ability to maybe get paid for what they do. We don't believe in asking these students to instruct classes and just swapping it for, for lessons, generally because they feel they don't get anything out of it because it's generally the parent pays for the lesson. So it's the parent that's not having to pay and the kid doesn't get anything. So we still make all our junior instructors pay for their lessons. 
but we pay the, the junior instructor for the work that they're doing. So they get paid. It's their first job. They feel proud that they're now getting a job, that they're earning pocket money, but then their teaching picks up with assistance from us, but also then that they're karate. It just starts to skyrocket because of the, uh, you know, the, the training that they're doing, because of that expectation that we're putting on them to teach correctly, they just, their karate improves so much. And then once they get to the point where they are a paid instructor, they then become instructor. And we've got those, we've only been doing this probably about, since we've come back from COVID. Oh, the big C. Since we've been coming back from the big C. So <laughs> it hasn't been very long, but we've managed to get a great stable of people from inside of our ranks. If you've got them there, use them. And they love it. You ask a kid, can they come and help? And you see their eyes light up. You see their smile beams from ear to ear. It's very special for them. Let them do it. Even if it's just starting, say you've got them in one of your classes, let them take the warm-up for 10 minutes. The effect that has on that child is unbelievable and yet your retention rate goes up with all those kids. None of those kids ever stop unless, unless there's some outside, uh, something that goes wrong, you know, on the outside that, that you know, they don't come any longer. But they generally come because they've got this commitment for helping, they've got this commitment for work and they feel great about it. So let them help. And then the, the great thing is then the other kids see it. So everybody that comes through our door now, that we look at them as a potential instructor. So we've also put that in our welcome brochure as well to say, hey, look, one day your kids could be junior instructors here. We could have a job for them whilst they're attending high school, whilst they're attending university, whatever it may be, there may be a job here for them part-time instead of the regular jobs that they consider McDonald's, KFC. It's just amazing where people don't think this is an occupation. Why not? We actually pay better. Our junior instructors, even at 17, 16 and 17, get 20, 22, 23 bucks an hour. That's well over above award. Why do we pay them that? So we keep them. So they don't go and get more shifts down at McDonald's and don't come to training here any longer because McDonald's rings them up on Tuesdays and Thursday nights and wants them to work for them. Sorry, I've got a job. So for the same time they're doing three hours here, they'd have to do six hours at McDonald's virtually or five hours at McDonald's for the same sort of money. So, so we're then speaking to them. If we're going to look at expanding our, our dojo base, we then have to look at who's going to take those over in the future. We need students that we've trained, that we've produced in our systems that know the way we work, that understand us to take over those dojos at some point in time. They can only come from here. So we have to embed that seed into all of the kids' heads that one day this could be you. One day you could be operating one of our dojos for us. At the least, you can be training on our floor and earning a bit of cash for it whilst you're seeking your lifetime goal of becoming a forensic scientist or whatever it is you want to do. Love that. You're very fortunate to have someone like Lachlan working for you. And I noticed at... When we got together up in Brisbane at the Partners Intensive, he was engaged in every topic, uh, clicked on everything, especially on the marketing aspects, uh, asking the right questions, keen to learn. Great son and great role model for the younger kids. And yeah, I actually, I think 
I think I will have him on the podcast and it'd be great to have his perspective just working in the business and getting that young person's insight and perspective of how it is working in the business, but also teaching the younger kids and, and getting them motivated and on the right path. See, at 23, he is hugely responsible and he knows that this is his future. So he can go out there and spend five years at university and get a degree and then work for somebody in Melbourne or Sydney and shift away from home and work the most ridiculous hours, you know, at 55 be burnt out because you've just given your blood and your life to some company that doesn't appreciate you all that well. Um, or he can have his own business. He can work in the family business of teaching martial arts, which is a, a great life, a great journey. You get to travel a lot. You get to meet absolutely brilliant people. And he understands that. A 23-year-old has got a very smart business head and he understands that. And he understands that because that's the sort of thing that we've taught him all his life. I can remember we'd go overseas when he was young and he'd say, Dad, can I get a T-shirt? And at eight-year-old, you'd say, here, mate, you got 10 bucks. Here, go and get one. But they're 20. Not my problem, mate. And he'd always come back with a 10-buck T-shirt because he'd haggled. With the store owner. (laughs) That's great. We've got to teach our kids those life skills, George. And your kids, you know, you've got your daughter there. You've got to teach her those life skills. You know, when you travel, when you go overseas, you've got to let her start doing some things. You've got to say, hey, look, here, take this up to the counter and tell them that we're checking in. (laughs) I really enjoy belonging to our martial arts group, I I really do. And every single time I'm there, I've been a little bit quiet lately. I've had a a few things, you know, going through my mind. I think about a lot of things when we're on there and people say stuff and I go, oh, I think about that, Um, which is good to hear, I guess, that I actually think about things that we talk about. But I do steal lots of information and it's really quite good. And I love the guys. I just love getting together with people and, and we just have fun. Life should be more about having fun. Forget being too serious. You know, life's full of serious people that all blown up and have heart attacks at 55. Don't get like that. Martial arts are a fantastic journey. I don't know anything out there like it. I have, I have, I've searched the world for occupations and I've done 75 of them. And this is the one thing that uh, people say, why did you quit that? I got bored with it. Why did you quit that job? I got bored with it. I've been in martial arts. This is coming up to nearly 40 years. You think if I was going to be bored with it, it would be by now, wouldn't you? It's not. It's not. It's because of the people. Everybody's great. So there you go. Love it. Cool, Lindsay. Well, thanks so much for jumping on again. Great to see your journey just evolve. And and yeah, I'll see you on the next call. Any last words before we before we wrap up? I'm going to use the Nike theme here, George. Hey, guys, just do it. Yeah. All right. We'll see you again. Thanks, Lizzie. Speak soon. Thanks, Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and... In there, I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow, 
and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. Uh, there's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, request to join and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.